This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. about happy birthday to you that's right that's right happy birthday to you keep it going happy birthday last week craig thanks dog. (laughs) happy birthday to you this song is free (laughs) (laughs) welcome to overdue this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig and i'm a birthday boy my name is andrew you were a birthday boy in the past true i was a birthday boy but now thanks to time passing and the law johnny law i guess you can uh you can sing that to me thanks yeah it's in the it's public domain now you don't have to pay whoever it was who was going around demanding money from everybody who's saying happy birthday yeah i guess that's i is it we do we know it's public domain do we at least know that whoever was holding the copyright certainly was like the untrue king of uh, yeah, birthday just songs. A judge, a judge ruled that it wasn't cool, and now <laughs> we can all sing it. Now, I there was one question that somebody I don't I think it was one of our friends brought up on on some social media network is now what happens to all of the different restaurant chains' different little birthday songs? What I yeah I don't know I really I hope that they go away because like Happy Birthday is a bad song, but all the like the Applebee's birthday song or whatever is way worse. I hope that there's actually one person who's been writing all of these chain restaurant birthday songs because that I want his life is over now. I know. (laughs) I want that tragedy to become a Netflix documentary. How does he pivot? What other what other all purpose singing scenario is copyrighted? I don't think there is one. Well, no, because, yeah, if it's copyrighted, we can't be all-purpose. Like, we don't sing, like, Coldplay songs when it's somebody's birthday, because they're all copyrighted. And it was your birthday. Look at the sky. I baked a cake for you. What are you doing? Wait, (laughs) what other situations do you need to sing songs in, Andrew? Are we still doing this? I don't know. I'm just trying to give us a, a... I'm trying to give us a when you're start. when you're coronating a king. I, I don't think there's a song for that. Should we write one? Can we please talk about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to do? What are you trying to prove? <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to prove. I'm trying to outlast you. I'm trying to this, outwit, oh outlast, God. outplay I'm gonna, you. I'm blinking. Then this is the third and final of our three <laughs> Lord of the Rings episodes of overdue. This is, as you've surely guessed by now, this is a, a, a show where we talk about books <laughs> yeah. every week. One of us reads a book and then tells the other one about it, and you, and we all have a great good time. Uh, I hope. 
basically I'm 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 just trying to pay you back a little because I've been in one set of books for like nearly a month now, mm-hmm. which we have not done for the show before. How's and that it's, going, dude? It's How's caught, that for our format? I think it's good. I think we picked a good set of books for this because it's a it's both uneven and very impactful. It is both revered and part of a like fan culture it is revered in like a literary sense but also part of a fan culture that can be as annoying as other fan cultures are like i'll (laughs) you know like anything that i get super excited about baseball and you don't like me talking about baseball so i'm just gonna draw that right like like twilight let's say twilight has sure a group of fans but i don't know if you find many people in literary circles who would have a lot of really great things to say about twilight fair so i'm not saying that lord of the rings lacks those things i'm just saying that it it ha- it encompasses a lot and i have this book has been me climbing up mount doom and the whole trilogy is weighing heavier and heavier around my neck is what i'm saying and then you throw it in a volcano <laughs> i throw it in a volcano so andrew you did a real good job last episode of summing up the previous book that i'd Thanks. read would you care to do that real quick again like super quick Okay, I can do it. How, how do you want to... Because the book, again, is split up into two different sections. Yes. And one section primarily follows one set of characters, and then the other section starts by primarily following another set of characters. So do you want to do you want to d- jump into book five? Yeah, we've got... Yeah, book five and book six. It's the War of the Ring and the Return of the King. Are those, mm-hmm. the, those are the two book names, right? Or is the sixth one called The End of the Third Age? The end of the third age. Yeah, Tolkien himself, we're not going to talk about him this week because we've talked about him to death. <laughs> we're I not think. talking about him at all. We're just talking about his book. But he didn't like, he wanted to name the whole book The War of the Ring because he thought The Return of the King gave too much away, which, yeah, I can see that because you know that the king comes back, unless maybe it's the like the king of evil or something. It's also been the thing you've been foreshadowing the entire book. I don't think. It didn't really spoil anything. Yeah, like I don't know that you're going to end your fantasy book with like the tropes were not established at the time, <laughs> but this is not like Game of Thrones. This, it's not going to end with like Gandalf dying, like for no. real. Again. No, you've already like <laughs> killed a character and made all of your other characters cry about it. I don't think you're going to just kill the other great character and have this whole prophecy not come to pass. Yeah. Just just saying. So, I think Book five is the first book in The Return of the King. So yeah. I, do I got it so far? So far, so good? I thought you were going to cover the two towers quickly for us. Yeah, I know. So book five picks up where <laughs> book three left off. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So what happened in book three is basically Gandalf comes back to life. Uh-huh. Um, a forest and Aragorn and some other folks go and beat up Saruman and yep. tear Isengard apart. Yep. And trap him in a tower. Yep. And then Pippin, one of the two hobbits that are still traveling with his party, does something kind of stupid. He looks into Saruman's seeing stone. Or Correct. Palantir or however you want to refer to it. Because this- as we've talked about again, and this is keep account of how many times we talk about this, everything has a million names. It's true. It's true. So Gandalf and Pippin. Did I say that Mary looked into the stone? No, you said Pippin. You had it. All right. Pippin looks into the stone. Sauron gets a little suspicious. He sends one of his flying Nazgul up to check on what's going on with Saruman because 
<laughs> it's been a while since they've checked in with each other. Um, and Gandalf takes Pippin to keep him out of trouble, and they go riding off on Shadowfax, the super fast, most awesome horse. And they go riding off toward Gondor to start preparations for a big old fight, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of murmuring in the two towers about how Sauron's going to come marching out of Mordor any day now. Yeah. And you've got to take care of Saruman first, or else Gondor is just going to get, like, evil sandwiched. Yeah. Um, or he's gonna the evil bread is going to squish got sandwich metaphors are messy um <laughs> much like some kinds of sandwiches have you ever don't you get upset when you get a big old great burger and it's got a bunch of stuff on it and then you take like two bites and it's just the whole rest of your meal is damage control like you're just you're in this burger now you can't put it down or it'll fall apart you won't be able to pick it back up again it's just but you don't want the burger to be smaller or to have less stuff on it it's a real it's a yeah. real pickle it's well, especially if the burger has a lot of pickles on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that that moment where there's it's the no turning back moment. It's it is about after bite two, which is when I look at my dining partner, whoever it might be, and say, "I'm not putting this burger down." Just so you that's know, that's why I eat like I eat like half my fries first to clear out like a landing strip for burger parts oh, to fall down. <laughs> It's especially problematic if you're getting a burger with egg. Let's move on. Yeah, or like a pizza with that. Pretty much anything with egg that's not just like eggs. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty messy. But it makes everything so much better. Oh, it does. God, put an egg on everything. Oh, put an oh, egg in my beer right put now. Put an like, egg. Oh, God. It's the only thing that's bad about eggs is if you drink them. Like raw eggs? Are you, yeah. You, you were watching Rocky the other I day, was watching so, Rocky. So. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast on that, but we won't. The Rocky cast. Yeah, so Gand- Gandalf and Pippin are riding off toward Gondor to start telling the people who live in Gondor that, hey, it's time to start getting ready for war. Um, they leave Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, who are some of the members of our, our fellowship that we've been following for a while. Yep. Along with Theoden and Eomer and some other uh, people who we met in Rohan. They're our new friends from the Two Towers, and they're yes. going to marshal up the forces of Rohan to come and help Gondor out. But they're going to need some time. And Gandalf does not have a despair, so so ride Shadowfax. Yeah, and that's we can. Do you, do you just want to jump into book five? Yeah, from let's here? just jump that's into book where five. We are? I think right. so. Uh, and I kind of like this setup. I'll say the overall like structure of the book is a little more. There's a little more simultaneous action than even in Two Towers, where Two Towers has like that first jump cut, as I mentioned last last week. Right, because the first like the non Frodo and Sam part of the Fellowship is split. Pretty yeah. Deep pretty widely at this Uh, point and this book does an even better job of a jumping around and b letting you know what's happening while something else is happening um and i think the reason that that really works is as we'll talk about the frodo sam stuff is all in book six so a whole bunch of stuff happens in book five and while the frodo and sam stuff is happening uh tolkien is telling you like oh and this is about two days after x happened and oh pippin's doing this right now right yeah you'll he'll do these little things where he's saying oh as as frodo is staring at this these the statue at some crossroads or something yeah. like they, they were riding down to gondor yeah it was it, it does a better job placing it in time and also giving you kind of a sense of how little time has passed really has passed like not not only since like the breaking of the fellowship but since they set out in the first place 
Yeah, like the think... entire the action of this book does not even take like a year, which is pretty cool given that they haven't invented like fantasy cars yet. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to imply that by the time they the book is winding down, it's been about a year, but that includes about a month of goodbyes. So yeah, I'm just I'm not... like chilling. Yeah. Uh, so they get to Minas Tirith. That's correct, right? Or we can uh, Minas or yeah, whatever. What is, yeah. It's um, all good. It's all good. They go. They walk over to Mina Savari and they say, "Hey, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, and they meet Denethor, who is the king of Gondor. No, steward. he's the steward of Gondor steward because of Gondor. the kings are not around. There hasn't been a king in how many ages, Andrew? It's Hundreds been, of years. It's been a thousand and change, I think. Years. Yeah, that's a long time. And so it's still, I mean, the third age at this point is like three thousand years long. So we're still talking same age, but. Yeah, the last king kind of wandered off to fight the Nazgul king and never came back. So that's right. Yeah, the witch, ki- the like witch king of Angmore. The, yeah, it, it seems like it was not planned very well. But no, go on. So they've got these stewards who are basically the king for all intents and purposes, but they know that they're not really the king. Yeah, and Denethor, so some of them kind of wish that they were. Oh yeah, well I believe that I would if I were the steward. <laughs> um. Denethor is this is the father of Boromir, father of Faramir, mm-hmm. and Pippin like immediately swears fealty to him, just after he like lets slip to the one of the guards that Boromir is dead, and the guard like run runs that news up to Denethor and Gand- Gandalf's like, "Yo, dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah you cr- should probably have not." Let me Uh-oh. do the talking. Pippin is always putting his foot right in it. Like, you gotta love him, but... Well, and he totally does that thing where he's like, here's my sword, king, you're, I'm yours, be my dad. And Gandalf's like, I didn't know that you were gonna do that, but that's pretty cool, I guess. Good work. Well, he kind of charms Denethor a little bit, and Mary kind of does the same thing to yeah. And Like, you're you're out in lands where nobody knows what hobbits are, so you just have these little, these little happy men who are... <laughs> <laughs> offering their service to you and what do you say you gotta say yes well and they they refer to them as the prince of the halflings i think that they refer to pippin as such sure uh and both he and mary have also grown a little bit because of all the ent wine that they drank uh the ent water i suppose yeah so they're like they're grown up over the course of this book which is pretty cool uh, literally, Den- yeah, literally. Hmm. Denethor's whole deal is that he kind of hates his son Faramir, mostly for not being Boromir. Which, <laughs> I guess. yeah, he's kind of a jerk. He's not a great dad. No, he re- he's really a bad dad. And uh, when Faramir comes back and talks about Frodo and talks about Gollum and the whole thing where he had Frodo and Sam and the ring, and then Gollum showed up and he. To, you know, listen to Frodo and not didn't kill Gollum and let them go to Mordor. And this uh, is basically Gandalf's first concrete confirmation that Frodo and Sam have not been dead for weeks. Yeah, and I I made yeah. that I made that note a little bit later because there's some stuff that then goes down that would totally not work and was still in motion before they knew whether or not Frodo was still ar- alive. That yeah, fair mere thing have is to, They just have to play as though the the mission is is going onward and that Frodo's going to be okay because if like if it's not they're going to know and yes. then there's no point to anything so. correct uh and so we've got word that these forces of Mordor are are moving on Minas Tirith and it's going to be bad bad news 
but instead, Denethor sends Faramir off to guard Osgiliath. 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 Thank you. Which used to be the capital city of Gondor, as we talked about a little bit last week, yes. but has long since fallen into ruin as as Gondor and Mordor have, have fought over it. Uh, so he sends Faramir off, and that doesn't go so well. The the orcs and etc. show up. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I think I'm skipping a little bit ahead on this plot line, but we'll, we'll double That's back. Uh, and Faramir gets wounded after Osgiliath is taken or routed, basically, and all the orcs and all the other, all the men who follow Sauron and the Easterlings and the Southerners and uh, all sorts of people and monsters are moving on Minas Tirith, and they recover Faramir, but he's super poisoned and. Uh, Denethor, whose basic default mode is despair, like <laughs> yeah, uh, and we find out why a little bit later. But his he's just like, oh, this will never work, you guys. My second son, uh, everything is bad news. He's what if you made Charlie Brown like the king of your town? <laughs> It'd be so bad. <laughs> and Sauron's just moving that football all the time. <laughs> Uh, so they they he goes and he's hanging out with his poisoned son as as Gondor it, it kind of falls under attack and then we somewhere in that point we cut back to Rohan and this is where like we've already broken up the fellowship right now we're gonna break it up even more mm-hmm. because the Gray Company arrives uh just after Theoden has received word that Gondor needs help. And the Grey Company are some of like Aragorn's kinsmen, as well as a couple of the sons of Elrond, who's that elf guy from The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, and I, I guess I hadn't tracked Elrond, and well, like his whole deal and his whole lineage, and like elves choosing whether or not to go to elf heaven, is a thing that's explained like after this book. Yeah, because Elrond is a half elf basically like there, his mom and dad one was his, his mom was an elf and his dad was a human i think was how it split up okay and um yeah so and, and he had a brother eldar chose, elmar elmer yeah, El, elmer elmer yeah. fudd who chose uh-huh. to be a human and aragorn is basically descended from elmer fudd yes perfect i'm hunting saurons and this was like Six thousand years ago. Yeah, so. <laughs> is Aragorn a Wolverine? I made that note at one point. Is he Wolverine from the X Men? Because he is super old now. Because yeah, because they are descended from elves. Like even though they are men, they do have a lifespan that's beyond that of most normal men. I mean, it used to be. It used to be they could live like a thousand years or something. Like then they started to years. fear death, and it made them like yeah. live less. Because they kept like trying to live for longer and longer, and and it just sucked. It's a whole, it's a whole deal. It's a whole deal. <laughs> so these dudes show up at Rohan, and they give Aragorn a staff that has a flag on it, but the flag's not unfurled. Mm-hmm. And they say the days are short. If thou art in haste, remember the paths of the dead. And Aragorn says, "Well, great, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> oh man, I do remember the paths of the dead. I do remember the paths, and I totally know what this stick is. Um, hey, bud, come up into this closet with me. I'm gonna Skype Sauron and tell Sauron that I'm the once and future king, and I'm coming for him. Uh, yeah, you don't so find he that face out. Until t- he a FaceTime bit later. Sauron on the pal- Palantir. Yeah, the the stone of plus one skyping, as mm-hmm. I made a note. And uh, <laughs> and that's not 
explicitly stated when it happens. They kind of reveal it a little bit later. It's part of this grand gamble to distract the eye, right? And keep yeah. it keep it on the battle and keep it on Gondor so that should Frodo be alive and well, uh Sauron will not be looking on his home turf. Right. Because as, as we as we talked about a little bit last week, like Sauron cannot conceive of a reality in which people who had the ring would would want to destroy it instead of using it. So what Aragorn and pretty much everybody's trying to do is debate Sauron and convince him that somebody there is using the ring or has the ring at least. Yes. Yes. And the the other like seeing stone plotline is Denethor, right? And he as I was alluding to earlier, he has his own seeing stone because the mm-hmm. men have seven of them, I think. There used to be seven. Some got destroyed. Some yeah. Sauron has some. Yeah. yeah. Some got lost. And I think a couple just fell to the bottom of the ocean in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> that would happen, I would mm-hmm. think. Uh, Denethor is boss enough that he can like resist Sauron, but he does use the stone to like see the trouble that he's in. Like He can see all of the siege being laid to his lands and out just outside his lands well and there's a there's an implication i i think that even though sauron's like not controlling exactly what he sees he Precisely. does subtly influence what he sees yes and just yes. shows him like bad stuff yeah uh so he, that's why denethor is the charlie brown of gondor it's like it's like how google will curate your internet for you i think denethor wanted bummers he's just I, seeing suggested <laughs> ads for <laughs> Like orc poison and stuff. Uh, so Aragorn has to go off through the paths of the dead to get to Gondor faster. Because it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut, but it's a terrible shortcut. And nobody it's not a there. scenic route. I mean, no. as you might be able to infer from the name. No. Like, there's dead people. There's ghosts. Yeah, there's super ghosts. And the ghosts are the Oathbreaker ghosts. They're, the, they're men who were supposed to help Isildur who is we'll just say Gondor like he's a yeah he's a uh, Isildur or again alternate pronunciations for different names whatever he was he is another of Aragorn's distant ancestors and so yeah. they were supposed to help Gondor out in their time of need and they didn't and so they got cursed so don't break your promises in worlds <laughs> where magic exists is the lesson I made a note that Isildur was that good call Isildur for saying, hey, you jerks, I'm going to need you later or my great, 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 great grandkid will. So be ready. What kind of a world is this where like I promised you some ice cream and then I just eat it all myself and then I'm like a ghost for the rest of forever until I can like get you some ice cream until my great grandnephew needs ice cream in the year 3050. You must you will the rocky roads of the dead <laughs> uh and this is so they go into the mountains and they kind of it's like a scary haunted house it's the haunted is it the haunted mountains that they go through is yeah the name it's of like it? a, it's like a scary passage like not not as not as not like moria but no but it's certainly pretty spooky it's a spooky spooky cave it's a spooky cave that kind of reminded me of uh lovecraft a little bit there's like a nameless horror madness up in there yeah like nameless horror gimli can't take it gimli barely makes it out he is having a bad time he's kind of ashamed of it because dwarves are supposed to be you know pretty yeah pretty cool with scary stuff well and pretty cool with mountains and legolas is like i'll i'm fine 
Come on, let's go. Yeah, I'll go on this mountain. Let's go, Gimli. Uh, and so, <laughs> so Aragorn has to use like this other stone to summon all the ghosts, and then they're just kind of riding through the these like towns at the edge of Rohan, and everyone's freaking out because there's this big ghost party following Aragorn, which I think is reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, so then I I then it kind of skips forward to the battle for the most part, right? Am well, I, I mean it cuts it cuts back to Theoden or Theoden. Yes, and, and he, Mary. Oh, and there's they're like, a, like marshaling the marshaling oh, forces. Thank of you. Rohan thank too. there's yeah. a whole part where before Aragorn goes to meet the ghosts, he swings through Dunharrow where Eowyn, Dunharrow, right? Yeah, sure. Where Eowyn, the daughter of Theoden was hanging out. That taking might care be of business. Yeah, I th- I think that's right cuz yeah, there's the main there's Adaras which is like the main city and then there's another encampment where people are kind of marshaling up for war. I don't I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read these books, so I don't remember the exact place. But but yeah, the 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 broad strokes are that Aragorn briefly meets Eowyn who is Eomer's sister. She's super um, in love with him. Yeah. And he says, "No, you can't come with me." And then And then like the Two Towers co- movie yeah. there's like this whole stupid subplot where <laughs> Where they just want to like Netflix and chill and <laughs> and like okay. Aragorn is briefly distracted from his quest and then realizes like the Two Towers movie is a mess. But, but go on. Go he told but he he's just like, Oh man, this this is real sad for you that you love me and I have to go hang out with ghosts. See you later. And later, she babe. really Yeah, and th- so <laughs> <laughs> So Theoden shows up and he's like, Great, we got a ride for Gondor, let's go. Riders Rohan, let's roll. And uh, she's like, great, I'll come with you. And Mary, who has pledged his services to Theoden, goes, great, I'll come with you. And Theoden's like, nah, dog, you both got to stay. You're a girl and you're a little tiny man. Like, like you, you, can't, should, you can't do this. You should probably stay. Uh, so Mary gets picked up by Dernheim. Dernhelm. Oh, excuse me. I can't read my own. Dernheim. <laughs> My own typing here. Uh, Dernhelm, who's like, don't worry about it. Come with me. And they all ride out. Because Mary's like mad because, yeah, he pledged his sword to this king. Like, Pippin's going to go get to do adventures. Like, he doesn't want to be the one who's left behind while everybody else gets put in harm's way. And it's really sad because Mary is, the whole time, it's like, man, I wish Pippin were here. Like, all these these men don't want me around. I wish Pippin were here. I think we get a little more Mary Pippin love than Legolas Gimli love this book. Sure. Which... Kind of bummed me out. I want a little more Legolas Gimli. Just you get a little bit of Legolas Gimli. Yeah, not as much as I want. Two Towers is a bigger Legolas Gimli book, yeah. That's true. Uh, on their way to Gondor, they meet the Druidane, which are the wood people who like yeah. speak like cavemen and help them ambush some orcs, and that's about all they do. It's a weird little aside. I don't know why it's in there. Oh, the, oh I know why it's in there, Andrew. Can you tell me? It's a quiz. No, you tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. It's not a quiz. <laughs> this is like you're the one who needs to prove your cred here. Like I don't need to do your quiz. The the crucial moment here is like a it's like the fourth or fifth act of Romeo and Juliet. They learn that the news of their riding did not make it to Gondor. So like so a messenger from Gondor came to Theoden and was like, Hey, we need your help. And he's like, Great, go tell him that I'm coming. And then that guy gets killed 
by the orcs. Yeah, so that guy gets killed, and then there's also like a roadblock in their way, yes. as I recall. So they need to they need to find a way that's going to get them there fast, and it's going to get them around their roadblock. But there's there's another moment where they go, oh man, Denethor doesn't know we're coming, and of course, Denethor, king of despair does not think that Rohan is coming. Uh, why would they come? I'm, t- I'm, I'm an idiot. Why would they come why are we? Me? E- why are we even fighting? They'll get here too late. It's the worst. <sighs> so it is the worst. This battle sucks until and Rohan it should be, shows it up. It should be mentioned that this is like, I don't know if this is the first instance of this, but there are a lot of instances in fantasy books where like when bad stuff is happening, the environment also, or the weather or whatever also turns bad. And so pretty much all of this is happening under this deep black blanket of cloud that's that's spewing out of Mordor, basically. Yeah, and it's implied that it may or may not be Sauron himself. It may be chemical warfare that he's just spitting into the sky. I think it's just like evil stuff is happening. And this yeah. guy is magic, and so he has like magic <laughs> evil, evil clouds. Yeah, Tolkien magic is really nebulous. And I, I it took me a while to warm up to that. Uh, this book is kind of what solidified me being on board with how it works because it's really non-specific. It's really just yeah. Like, there's not like there's not you don't have the Harry Pottery kind of structured list of spells that you can do. Yeah, and there's it's a whole like a, it's and it's not the Game of Thrones thing either where magic exists almost nowhere except where it needs to to forward the stupid plot. Yes, it in this book. These I'm books frustrated with Game of Thrones. I, I know. I've noticed that over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in this in these books, it's just some people are magic and they do magic stuff. Like, just get on board with it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> They're just X-Mans. Just deal with it. X-Men. Uh, super One Spiders X-Man. Man. <laughs> Many Spiders Many Men. Many X-Men. <laughs> uh, so, the fight of Gondor is some pretty cool stuff. Like, a lot of stuff is going on. Different people are uh, having their own individual duels. I'm, I was impressed by how Tolkien ha- Tolkien's handling it. Um, one of the worst things that happens is they... Oh, God. They talk about how the gates can't be broken. And eventually this does happen. They Like, a bunch of orcs and trolls, like, break it down. But one of the things that they do instead aside from just like launching fire over the walls, they launch the heads of the people they killed at Usgiliath over the wall. Yeah, that sucks. It's the worst. Like they they also have like Nazgul flying way overhead where nobody can see them, but everybody can tell that they're there. So yeah, they're they're definitely using terror as a weapon here. Yeah, it's it's not they talk about how they were using both hunger and fear against Gondor. They recognize that breaking the walls could and will happen, but will take a long time. So in the meanwhile, we're going to throw dead people at you, and we're going to starve you out. Um, Oh, and also there's a big battering ram that's so big and awful that it has a name. Mm. It's Grond, the Hammer of the Underworld, which is actually named after an earlier battering ram. Jesus. It's like the baby of another battering ram? It's just an homage to an earlier battering ram. (sighs) (laughs) okay even the battering rams have like complex lineage i'm sure if if you turn back to the appendices you'd find like a family tree for this battering ram back there well and different battering rams speak different languages which tells you where they came from Mm -hmm. which is very important yeah yeah they were very different in the second age i hear as well 
so the go- the <laughs> I'm trying to make Tolkien jokes. Thanks for your patience. No, I'm I'm you're good. You that's that was a good one, buddy. Th- th- oh, thanks, dog. <laughs> uh, so it's not going great, and uh, Gandalf's really worried about the King of the Nazgul's who's going to fight him, and. Denethor has gone crazy and he's going to burn Faramir alive because he think he thinks he's dead, basically. So he makes them all take him into the catacombs. He and thinks they're, just, they're both dead. Like they're, yeah. he, he has no hope at all. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Because he's a stone cold bummer. And I think his name is Baragond. Yeah. <sighs> yes, thank you. He, There's uh, a whole bunch of cute stuff with like him and Pippin and his son yeah, it's like a- hanging out earlier in the book that's a little bit of a reprieve from some of the heavier stuff that is just it's too light to talk about in a podcast that we're trying really hard to make an hour long. So. Uh, so, oh boy. Uh, but it does set the stage for all the people that are going to get involved when Bergond has to basically defend the living Faramir from being burned on a funeral pyre by his dad. Yeah. Uh, which goes pretty bad a little bit later. Uh, so the Riders of Rohan show up. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool deal. Mm-hmm. Theoden blows his horn so hard that it breaks, which I think <laughs> is awesome. I have never seen... I imagine. I really hope there was a part in Louis Armstrong's life when he blew a trumpet so hard it just exploded. He probably did, though. That would be the coolest. Oh, Satchmo. That would be the coolest. And it just explodes <laughs> and like five people die. They don't talk about that in the... That's why they warn you about sitting in the front two rows at a Louis Armstrong concert. So Theoden rolls in. Everyone, all the folks from Rohan are, are uh, killing fools. And I, the king of the Nazgul uh, starts fighting back also and really messing some stuff up. Yeah, he's on the battlefield now. Yeah. Theoden dies and it's not super like great like it just kind of happens he gets his horse shot out from under him right and it like falls on top of him it's really unimpressive which is kind of sad and it's one of the first i similar i guess to how he handled boromir where it's like oh yeah remember that time boromir died i'm not going to show it to you it's just going to tell you that it happened goodbye theoden is is cooler because he he was he was pretty down in the dumps in the last book but then he became like this heroic guy and he led his forces into battle and then he fell and yeah, he dies like redeemed. Not yeah, more redeemed than Boromir, who kind of had a deathbed repentance of his <laughs> of his crabby behavior. But. Yeah, uh, and meanwhile, Aragorn showed up in a bunch of boats with black sails, and everyone is worried that it's actually the Corsairs of Umbar. But instead, Aragorn used all his ghost friends to steal those boats. Yep. So it's working out pretty well. And in the him. movie, it's just like a big old wave of it like is. scrubbing bubble ghosts, like flies out over the battlefield <laughs> and wipes out all of the bad guys. <laughs> but in the book, I think the ghosts are a little bit more just like regular fighters. The right? go- no, the ghosts well, I mean, don't they're even super scary, but but they don't even come to Gondor. He lets them go after. They help him steal the boats. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what happens is, I just is have that been, image of the like the I know. ghost wave like <laughs> sweeping over the battlefield. So he he actually like he uses the ghosts to steal the boats, and all the men who've been scared of those ghosts are like, "Hey, that was pretty cool. I'm gonna come with you to fight for Gondor." So he shows up with these boats full of like men ready to fight under his banner, which is pretty great. But then of course Theoden dies, like we said, and uh, Durnhelm. 
reveals herself as Eowyn, who has snuck her way to Gondor with Mary, yeah. and they slay the Witch King. It's a very Shakespeare moment. Yeah, it's it's it reminded me of both Shakespeare and of Beowulf, actually. With Theoden down and like you don't know that he's dead right then necessarily, but you're fairly certain that he's going down. It reminded me of the end of Beowulf where that other guy is helping Beowulf fight the dragon. Like there mm-hmm. was something kind of this line of succession, this intergenerational thing. Uh and I I it was just pretty cool that both Mary and Ewan get to do that. I don't know. Yeah, and the and the, the Shakespeare part is the there was this prophecy where like no man was gonna kill the witch. King. Oh yes, yes, yes. And then Eowyn's like, psych, I'm a woman, and then Mary like stabs him in the back of the leg. Yeah. And then and brings him down and then Eowyn like chops his head off. So yeah, a a woman and a hobbit. Not yeah. no no men involved in that takedown. Which is great. Like Ewan is like so badass and cool. Yes. Which makes up for the the almost complete lack of good female characters in this entire universe. It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Like and Silmarillion has a few too, but the ratio is still pretty pretty weighted in favor of dudes. And it's one of those things where he does spend he does pay lip service to the fact that she gets a raw deal earlier in the book. Like there's like direct quotes about her being a woman and having to be stuck at home. Yeah, and she's there's like mad a woman about. in the House of Healing later who's okay, yeah. and they're like there are some women, but it's it's a very male centric story, which is, I guess, to be expected given its given its time period. Yes, not but... like the fantasy time period, but the actual <laughs> real world time period. Yeah, but not excusable in a in a modern writer's. But worth no, worth it's the noting. same kind of like like you read these books now, and yeah, there's some vague, um, like racist overtones in terms of like the orcs and stuff and then there are the the obvious like gender imbalance and yeah product of its time not that doesn't make it excusable but that's just like the explanation for why certainly and it's why you see in the films they come them coming up with these other plot lines to try and balance it out and it's just not based on anything as substantial as the rest of the books so it usually ends up ringing hollow yeah like it's those the movies the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings movies is mostly pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, Two Towers has some rough spots, but yeah, there are some women shoehorned into those movies. And then in The Hobbit, especially, like they invent this elven woman character from Whole Cloth who is like fine, I guess. Like she falls in love with one of the dwarves or something. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, they, they never feel as integrated into the universe. And I I don't know if that's Tolkien's fault or if that's, the filmmakers faults I'm, I'm inclined to blame the filmmakers because the hobbit was just was so much of a <laughs> disaster in like every conceivable way but F- fair enough but yeah uh, eowyn is good she is good and so her arm gets like completely broken and ruined and like mary's arm isn't doing so great because he stabbed a nazgul king uh, yeah, but, like if you remember back to Fellowship when when Frodo got stabbed by the Nazgul, like that their wounds are a, are pretty bad. Yeah, and one of the running themes of this book is that those wounds, some of them last forever. Like no matter what happens, you you will always be wounded, and you see that mostly with Frodo. Like there's yeah. even after the yeah, book he's got is a lot resolved, of, he yeah. comes away from this with a lot of scars, which is why I'm like I'm gonna complain that he's a bummer, but you got you know yeah. it's not for no reason. No, it's not for no reason. Uh, so Gondor kind of wraps up. They they route 
the the forces of Mordor, mostly after the Nazgul king dies, um, and Rohan and and the Grey Company kind of clean everything up. Denethor burns himself alive. Cool. Uh, Gandalf tries to stop him, and they do manage to save Faramir from the burning. But Denethor is like, I'm out. This is the worst. I can't stand it. And uh, it's pretty messed up. It's, yeah, like he he dies while the battle is still. Yeah, it's far not, from being it's won, not cool. So yeah. Uh, so then then Aragorn steps up as king and kind of they go to the houses of healing and there's like this whole healing. He's sequence. not like making a big deal out of being no, king yet. No, he'll, he'll tell a couple people like why he's the one who's bossing people around, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> like he's wary to step forward and be like, "Yo, king's back." Yeah, there's because it's been like a thousand yeah. years since they had a king, so and, not everybody's gonna be thrilled about it. And there's a whole part where they're like, "Come on in and be the king." He's like, "I think I'm gonna go chill in my tent." It's yeah, like don't like, worry about it yet. It's I'll fine. Come back when I can really be the king. So Faramir and Eowyn have to stay behind to heal up, uh, which is cool because they'll fall in love. It'll be totally fine. And the nice. the like all of the leaders get together and decide that they're gonna march on Mordor and try and keep Sauron distracted since they know that Frodo is doing just fine. Right? He's fine. Yeah, no problems. Uh and in that fight outside the gates, Pippin kills a troll who falls on him. He thinks he's gonna die. Outside the gates of Mordor. It should yes. be mentioned that there's this whole thing where they like marched him to Mordor. And oh yeah, totally. Yeah. That's what I was implying. Um and then they're like, The Eagles are coming, the Eagles are coming, and then we jump cut to Frodo. And that's that's that whole book. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you sounded like you were okay with it. Because, yeah, Tolkien does a really good job with that big battle. Like, there are a lot of different groups to juggle, and he juggles them pretty well. And I think that that part, I think, informed... Like, more than the Two Towers, which was pretty much, like, two discrete books that, that didn't have... Like, there wasn't that much interplay between different groups. There was a yes. little of it, but there wasn't a ton of it. I think that that first part of Return of the King feels a lot more, like, Game of Thronesy or Wheel of Timey. Like, any any big fantasy epic that's juggling a bunch of character perspectives, I feel like, is informed by by Return of the King a little bit. Yeah, and it really shows, I think, him coming into maturity with some of these characters and how to render them both quickly and substantially, uh, which works in the Fellowship a little bit, but there's so much unknown about the journey that that was not... I wasn't jiving with it at the time. And you just don't know that much about these characters yet. Like, there there are... You've hung out with Aragorn and Gandalf and the Hobbits, but then there are these, what, like three or four other new people? Yeah, totally. Who are just all thrown in all at once? And and this one even... Figure them out? Yeah, and at this point, he has the benefit of circumstance to, like, sketch in who someone like Denethor or Theoden is real quickly. Or even, like, Baragond. Yeah, even Baragond. Um, And so he he does a better job there. Uh, Andrew, I want to talk about... Frodo and Sam in Mordor, but we should take a quick break, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Andrew, when was the last time you shaved? Yesterday. How'd it go? Okay. Could it have been better? Yes. Why? I didn't come to this expecting interrogation. I guess I could have had blades from dollarshaveclub.com. Well, I was wondering about your current blades because I, 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 P 
peeped them when I was up at your place last, and they looked a little grody. What was grody about them? They just looked old. Well, Why are I you using those old blades? Because I don't want to go to the store and pay $100 for gold razor blades that are trapped in a little case that they make you get like a store associate out so you can get them. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Well, you it's should. Like, it's like worse than buying drugs, I assume. <laughs> I don't know how to buy drugs. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can help you with drugs, but I can tell you <laughs> that Dollar Shave Club at Dollar Shave dollarshaveclub.com has changed all of that andrew they have revolutionized the way that you could be shaving if only you would listen to what i'm about to tell you tell me what you're about to tell me i am about to tell you (laughs) that they will deliver a whole sleeve of amazing razors for just a few bucks right to your house that uh shaving with a fresh blade feels fantastic and that millions of guys millions and i bet gals as well millions have joined up with dollarshaveclub.com so many people that the billion dollar razor corporations are freaking out so Uh yeah watch out guys (laughs) to get that clean clean shave that the ladies crave you need or the dudes or the dudes or the dudes think about the dudes you should probably head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash overdue uh to get a special deal today. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash overdue. That was a good break, huh? That was a good break. Good job. I feel well nice rested. I ate some I am ready to continue. I've eaten some elven bread. Oh, you stole it. You stole my joke. Great. Sorry. Thanks for, thanks for stealing my Lembus wafers. Womp womp. Man. I always imagine Lembus wafers like Nilla wafers. <laughs> Except made of like elf bread instead of of vanilla. Yeah, there's that whole beat where they talk about (laughs) how elf bread is like, it's more effective the less of anything else you've eaten, which seems like a bummer because it doesn't sound like it tastes great. It's just like... It sounds like it tastes fine, but it would get boring to eat eat vanilla wafers like day in and day out for a month. Uh, Now I want some vanilla wafers though. If I needed to go on a trip, I'd eat a bunch of another wafers. Let's, let's get some later. It's some right, good so, road food. So like book five picks up from book three, book six initially picks up from book four. So Correct. Um, Frodo and Sam had, you know, they briefly tamed Gollum. He was, they couldn't get into the main, you know, the front door. So they're going to sneak around back. They're trying to get to Mount Doom, throw this ring in the fire and be done with the quest. Um, yeah. So Frodo, Sam, Gollum. Wandering, they meet Faramir. They and it, they walk past Minus Morgul, the, sure. the mm-hmm. home, the King of the Nazgul's treehouse, <laughs> and then they go in the back door, which is this big dark cave where it turns out a giant spider lives. Because Gollum was gonna have the spider eat the hobbits and then pick the ring up from their presumably discarded possessions. Still think it's a bad plan, but sure, it's it's the plan that he has. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, and and so Frodo gets bitten by the spider. Sam, believing that he is dead, picks up the ring and sting, and decides to forge onward. And then he gets attacked by a spider, has a big old cool battle with a spider where he where he beats her. And then he finds out right at the end that oh, Frodo is just unconscious and poisoned. He is not dead. 
And that's that's the end. It's like there are orcs carrying Frodo to this orc outpost within Mortar. Yeah, the orcs take him to this tower. And uh, so he's going to have to go after them. And he has, he actually has to slip into like straight up Mordor proper. Like there's yep. like a, he slips over like a little cliff and he's like, oh man, he's in Mordor. And the way that he kind of knows is the ring takes on extra power being so near to where it was created mm-hmm. um, and being so near its master. So the thing that he's discovered is that the orc, some sort of battle happened between the orcs that were guarding Frodo, uh, presumably over maybe the rewards that they were going to get or whether or not they wanted to go through with the plan to take him to Lugbers or whatever. Um, but most of them are dead. So uh, Sam has to like sneak by these like statues and he does that by using that cool light that Galadriel gave them. And then he sees an orc in the bottom of the tower and there's like a whole big thing where the orc thinks that he's like this big crazy elf warrior because of like the shade cast by the ring or something. It's Uh, the light plus the glow from Sting plus like the elven cloak that he's still wearing. It's a it's a combination of factors. But yeah, yeah. there is a moment where uh, Sam mentions that he can he can feel the ring like giving him visions of power which I think is interesting and it's like it's that whole uh, it's tempting him into using it and tempting him into wielding it and like there's a vision of himself as like Samwise the powerful who's going to restore balance to the nature to nature and the Shire and everything. Yeah the ring has that effect and I think that that Sam's possession of the ring actually gives us the clearest yes vision of yes. what it actually what it does to somebody who somebody who has absolutely nothing but good intentions but nevertheless, like the power, the power and the will that this thing exerts, like can do things to your mind. Precisely. Quickly. Yeah. Uh, so he ends up finding Frodo and rescuing him. Um, he doesn't have to kill an orc outright, but the orc like cracks his neck, like falling through it. Uh, yeah, he falls down a ladder or something. Yeah, it's pretty goofy, actually. Um, and they dress Frodo up like an orc. Um, well, there's orc- actually like there is a there's an orc who escapes from the tower yes, 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 with yes. a bundle of Frodo's possessions. So the I think he escapes with a little mithril shirt of armor with the robe from Lorien with a couple of other things. And this this actually factors in. There is a brief moment at the end of book five. Correct. Correct. Where some emissary for Sauron comes out and like shows Gandalf and Aragorn these these hobbit clothes and they basically despair like they know they just they figure it, the game is up because if they have this stuff like surely they have Frodo and or Sam and the ring. But, you know, they decide to go ahead and fight anyway, because like if, if Sauron has the ring, then all is lost. So they dress Frodo up like an orc and they run. They start running away. They'd like destroy a whole part. They destroy where those statues are. Um I don't quite understand how that happens. Just elf magic. It's just say kind it's of elf magic. Magic happens. <laughs> yeah, elf magic. Uh, so there's an implication that Nazgul, the Nazgul, and uh, Mordor kind of knows that they're running around. But thankfully, a bunch of orcs are mobilizing for the battle, and they get swept up in there in their troops. Uh, and then, thankfully, another swath of orcs show up, and they kind of get they can sneak away. 
which is very convenient. In the confusion, yeah. In the confusion. And, and it should be no it should be noted that the the gambit that Aragorn and Gandalf are working on in book 5 to distract Sauron is mostly working like even if Sauron and the Nazgûl knew know like that people are in Mordor like messing around they're not worried enough about it to be actively hunting for Frodo and Sam correct. Like within the, within the borders because again it has not occurred to him that anybody would be trying to destroy the ring correct but it is readily apparent to the company on the other side of the gate that this battle will not go well. It does not appear that they are going to win. Yeah. Um, so, guess who shows up? Gollum. Gollum's back, everyone. Oh, you Your favorite. give me a chance to guess. Uh, well, I thought you when I did that before, you didn't want to play. So, it's Gollum. Gollum's okay. here. And Sam still hates him. And he still wants to kill him. And Frodo's like, for ah, obvious reasons, because you led him to a spider cave. <laughs> I know. It's not like a vague distaste like it was before. I know, but he's like, he can't. He just can't. There's... And that happens a bunch of times. It happens with Frodo, too. It's like, yeah. Well, but Frodo's so, so like, pitiful. Frodo has the memory of Gandalf saying, we can't kill him. Like, Gandalf is the ultimate mercy guy. Like, no, I mean, like... Sam was hanging around outside the window when oh, Gandalf yeah, gave well, that little speech. Sneaky so. Sam. Sneaky Samwise Gamgee, hanging out. Yeah. Listen to your stuff. Ain't no um, eaves around bag end. Peeping your, peep your conversation, coming on your journey. Um, <laughs> but they make it up to the top of Mount Doom. They make it into the volcano. And Frodo is just about to toss it in. And he can't. And he puts it on. And Sam despairs. And then Gollum tries to get the ring from Invisible Frodo. Well, and that whole last little section is just like, what? Because Frodo claims the ring. He puts it on. Sauron's like, oh, no. Yeah, there's like a whole I've thing. I've been doing this wrong yeah. the whole time. <laughs> and so he sends the Nazgul like hurtling off to Mount Doom to try and fix everything. And it's just, it's very, everything's on a knife point at that. Yeah, at that a lot happens juncture. in about two pages. Yeah. It's pretty fast. Um, Which has not been the deal for this whole like no. murdered plot line the whole time. <laughs> no, it's, oh God, it takes its time. I mean, this there, is just three chapters, I think, at the be- at the yeah, beginning of yeah. book six. But it does, like, you do settle back in. And for a little bit, there's this sense that you're like, okay, we're back in, like, book four again. And this it's, is going to be a slog. Like, it's, like you, when you're reading it the first time, you don't know how long it's going to last. True. I, I, yes, I, I completely agree. Because there's the parts where Sam's just carrying Frodo up the mountain. You're like, and every once in a while they stop for bread. And when they get thirsty, all of a sudden there's some gross Mordor water that they get to drink. <laughs> and it's like, all right, this, this, this really could go on for the rest of the book. I've been reading enough Tolkien to know <laughs> that yeah. this could keep going. Uh, but surprise, surprise, it all kind of unfolds in about two pages. Gollum bites Frodo's finger off, which is gross. Trying to take the ring back. And he gets the ring, and he, you know, parties so hard he that is he is doing falls a happy it. precious dance. <laughs> this is why you don't like have a touchdown celebration. Like this is the worst end zone celebration, right? Because this is the ultimate like flag on the play. I know <laughs> is that you have you finally have your precious back, and then you fall into the lava and die. <laughs> it's basically yeah. I've seen a lot of end zone celebrations where guys drop the football on like the two yard line because they're so excited that's what happened that. Ex- but imagine if there was a volcano in the end zone and they just fell in 
You know, that I, that's why they don't play football games next to active volcanoes anymore. They did that up until about 1914, I heard. Yeah. Uh, so then Sauron dies, disappears. A big cloud rises up from Mordor and gets swept away by the wind. Yeah, not quite dead, but so, his power is so diminished that he will never be able to achieve any kind of dominion over anything ever again. Basically, because yeah. he put he put so much of himself into this ring in the first place, in an effort to exert his will over other people with rings. True, that he's just out. Lesson learned, everyone. Don't don't put don't invest in rings. Why don't you? Yeah, have faith in the power you have. Don't put a bunch of your power in a ring. Come on, come on. I don't care, I don't care how well gold is doing. <laughs> so then. Yeah, then it kind of starts, the the big wind-down happens. Like, the eagles show up, they save the hobbits, the forces of Mordor are routed. Um, it, like, everything that was driving them to fight was, basic, was basically Sauron, and so they're all scared and they run and, away or lose. pretty much every brick that Sauron's troops stacked on top of another brick falls down. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of buildings just collapse. Which is convenient, but fine. Yeah, sure. It's a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, all the bad weather goes away for the most part. It's cool. Everyone's real excited about it. Um, and they wake up in Minas Tirith, and Aragorn becomes king, and Eowyn and Faramir get married. Right? That happens then, I think. Yeah, that happens. And I, I think pretty much all of this winding down stuff we can skip up until the until end, the, Until the Shire? Yeah. So, so yeah, we're we're... We stay in Gondor for a while. We celebrate like Frodo's back to normal-ish. Sure. And there's the, like they make this whole song about Frodo the Nine-Fingered and his humbled sidekick Sam Gamgee, and Sam's just so dead chuffed to be <laughs> included in this great in this great legend. Now they yeah they basically just take another trip back west, kind of leisure like a leisure pleasure cruise across middle earth yeah because this is like the fellowship is back together again you know without boromir because he is he really he's, died yeah he doesn't he actually, come back as boromir yeah. the white he's no he's totally dead. dead yeah uh and slowly but surely people kind of peel off to do their own thing like aragorn's got a kingdom to rule legolas, legolas and, and gimli, gimli are gonna go chill yeah they're gonna go like tour caves and woods together and Merry and Pippin are tall. I have that note written <laughs> again, like everyone's talking about it. Uh, the elves are around, and they got to go visit Bilbo. They do that. The one like key thing that happens is they see Saruman on the road, and they let him go. I think that's pretty so clutch. much Too much mercy in this book. Too much mercy. Because here's what happens. Somebody. They get to the Shire, and everything's different. Everything's bad news. And we've had a couple implications. Like when Frodo and Sam were looking in Galadriel's magic water, they saw this, like, I think Sam saw this grim vision of the Shire being, like, trees being chopped down and stuff. Yeah, And and, see, and this got totally cut out of The Return of the King, and I know that movie could not have been any longer than it was, oh, but it no. just totally wrecks it. It wrecks it. Because it, it does. It closes the loop on Hobbits is really what it does. It's I think as a little chapter... I was, eh, I was okay on it. I've, I was, it was okay. I thought it was nice. I mean, it feels, it feels a little silly like after the fact. Not yeah. silly. No, because some some dark stuff goes down. I guess it's not super silly, but it is a little more Hobbit wit happening. There's like, yeah, a, but like Gandalf puts it, put kind of 
a little too on the nose almost, but like it, the, the party eventually is back down to Gandalf and the four hobbits. Yeah. And, he, and Gandalf's like, eh, I haven't talked to Tom Bombadil in a while. We're going to go hang out. I think that you guys are equipped to handle pretty much anything that you, that you run into on your way home. Yeah, sure. And so they get back to the Shire and, and it's been taken over by these kind of half, these Isengard esque half orc creatures who have come in and kind of set up shop and, and subdued the hobbits. And there are some crappy hobbits who are like helping them out. <laughs> being sheriffs. Yeah. Uh, being sheriffs. And they're all, all working for this guy named Sharky. Yeah. It's, it's Sharky and his like sheriffs and ruffians have taken over. They say ruffians like 15 times have taken over the Shire and they end up, there's like a whole, how are they going to save the Shire? Frodo's really keen that they don't kill anyone. Merry and Pippin are feeling super tough. They're raring to kill anyone as soon as they can. Um, and there's like a whole thing where they're walking around in armor, which they've been used to for about 10 months now. And everyone's a little freaked and out by it. the hobbits are like, oh, cool. Cool armor, guys. <laughs> Weird. They look, they look very, very distinguished and heroic. Uh, so there's a part where they, they kind of rally all the hobbits and totally light up a dude with arrows uh, and split his company and then f- there's like one or two more fights and then they confront Sharky who get you guessed it turns out to be Saruman and Wormtongue's hanging there too yeah good job good job everyone you let Saruman in and he took over the Shire but Andrew he gets they're, gonna, they're gonna let him go again they're gonna let him go again God, I can't stand it. But then, and this is a thing that I had not anticipated happening in this book. This is like a fantasy trope in a way that I've noticed with like the Harry Potter movies and stuff. Kind of an. It's, ans- I mean, it's very Star Wars, right? Well, there's an like ancillary- you think that the bad guy is gonna do something, and then like he gets brought down by his by his own sidekick. Yeah, I I th- akin it more to like a, a minor character from an earlier moment has his. Has his day. Has his day. Okay, sure. So Wormtongue is with him, and Saruman like kicks him in the face. <laughs> it's like we gotta go. Come on! And uh, he tells the hobbits that if they kill him, he's gonna like his blood's gonna spill, and the Shire will wither. But so Wormtongue gets kicked in the face and gets all mad and kills him instead, and literally cuts his throat. And he Jedi and sorry, and then they kill Wormtongue and Saruman. Jedi ghosts out of there, like his spirit just leaves. Yeah, except that they don't want him back in the Magic West land. No, and, that's that's yeah, true. Because he, he turned bad. He's a so bad they guy. so they replant the ruined Shire with uh, Sam's elf dust, and it all seems to go fine. He marries a woman named Rosie Cotton, has some kids, and uh, Frodo leaves. He uh, gets on the elf boat with Gandalf. He's and, like, uh, yeah, he just he can't be happy in the Shire anymore because he's. Yeah, like every year on the anniversary of one, his knife wound, two, like when the ring got destroyed, three, his spider bite. Like he's just bummed out and sick for like days after. Yeah, he, there's like there's just this feeling that he cannot, he will not recover from this, and and cannot. And uh, earlier, when we when everyone was saying goodbye, and uh, Elrond like showed up and gave Arwen to Aragorn to marry with like little explanation. Uh, she opts out of Elf Heaven, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and gives Frodo her ticket to Elf Heaven. So, like, I mean, his... that's not exactly how it works. It's kind of it's it's 
a courtesy that's extended to all the ring bearers, basically. Yeah. So Bilbo gets to go too. Bilbo does get to go as well. And then Sam, eventually. Was not in this book, though. Not in this book, no. I had no idea that that happened. Oh, it happens in the appendices. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, man. We'll talk about some of the appendices later. But yeah, it's... There's well, there's that whole passage where where Sam is talking about how he feels kind of split in two. Like he loves Frodo so much, but he loves his wife mm-hmm, and his mm-hmm. life in the Shire. And Frodo says, "Though you're you're not going to be split in two for for a long time. You're going to go back home, and you're going to have a great life. And then, like maybe eventually, we'll see each other again." And we don't know what's over there, do we? Yeah, it's like it's the the el- like the original home of the elves, where also the gods chill out. Sure. It's, it's, I mean, in this book, I guess it's only set up pretty vaguely, but it's, it's, it's explained in fairly explicit terms in the Silmarillion and I think maybe some (laughs) of the the appendices. Nerd check. Uh, Shut up. But Elrond leaves on this boat to Elf Heaven and thus ends the third age of Middle Earth. Yeah. And this book. Yeah. So that's the book. What did you think? I liked it. Where do you, where do you fall on the whole trilogy? I think here's what I think. I tell me what you think. <laughs> Wait, here do, do I need to vamp some more? Is that cool? I do, okay. While you while you vamp, I want to talk about. I want to say one fun fact. Okay, is that okay? The bag end is Frodo's house. Actually, it, it becomes Sam's house. It was originally Bilbo's house, and then there's this row of hobbit holes under it that's called Backshot Row. Uh huh. And when Saruman dies there. They like it's a it's a Hobbit joke to call the road Sharky's End now, like his, yeah, because he died there. But also, like End is the thing that you can call like a road. Cool, it's that's funny. A, that's a good Hobbit joke because he died. <laughs> what did you think? I think that taken as a whole, it's far more impactful than one book at a time. Uh, I said that last week, and it holds even truer this week. I also think that a lot of what people revere about these books um, really doesn't land until the third book. Um, there's a quote. What do you mean specifically? Do you have some examples? So one of the things is um, this notion of grief and dealing with loss and dealing with adversity, right? The like the carrying this terrible artifact into the heart of the enemy so that you can destroy the enemy is the ultimate adversity as this book puts it right mm-hmm. the quest in it in and of itself is the idea that anybody could do it is almost unfathomable which is why they picked these super weird resilient hobbits right um and there's much made of of how hard that is and it's you know it's supernatural and the the way that it affects Frodo and Sam and whoever holds it is is kind of mu- purposefully muddy so that it can have some metaphorical implications. I think even though uh, Tolkien is trying to avoid straight allegory, uh, and that doesn't pay off earlier. I don't think. I, I think you need to see the conclusion of all of this and. Even the aftermath, which is not super perfect, right? Like the elves feel like they need to leave. The uh, the Shire is changed afterwards. Now it does kind of rebloom thanks to Sam, but and it they're... feels like at the end the Shire is more a part of the world. 
yes now than, than it was yes. before which i guess could be viewed as a good or a bad thing like it it's kind of nice to have like your own little secluded corner of everything but it's also nice to have it connected to gondor and like uh, the vague notion of a of the kingdom in the north that used to be there but hasn't been for a while and yeah yeah, and Gandalf, who's everyone's favorite magic guy, like feels like he's got to leave now. Like his duty's done. He was there yeah. to be Sauron's enemy, and he used to light off fireworks for all the hobbits and be everyone's cool pal. So there's a lot of bittersweet to the end of this book. Yeah, the kind of, kind of from the outset, that's that's outlined, right? Like it's you got to get rid of this big evil guy, but in doing that, like a lot of the remnants of magic that are left from earlier ages are also going to have to vanish from the world like that's just the it's just the price that everybody has to pay and and it's just further evidence of how much sauron sucks is like even even to get rid of him requires this great sacrifice on the part of everybody else and and again i feel like it takes the whole arc for that to fully land at least for me um just because some of the just we are on the road writing can get plotting can get cumbersome in yeah. in its description of landscapes and history i think you need the whole arc of the of the actual story itself to to have that land i can uh, definitely see that the other thing that's like it's alluded to in the earlier books but it's far more explicit in this one is like heirs and who is lineage and duty a duty as a duty in a familial sense excuse me is far more important in this book but like because two kings pass and uh people rise up in their stead both theoden and denethor and um and eomir and yeah eomir and aragorn kind of stepping up and yeah. what did, you know the king of the mark and and the king of gondor um what is his what is aragorn's full time like king of the he's not the king of the west is he is he king of no, I I think he's just a Camp Gondor. King of Gondor. Um But I don't I don't remember that. That whole kingdom used to be larger and I know that like after it expands again to to reclaim a lot of its a lot of the borders that it used to have, but I'm not sure if there's like a wider thing that he's supposed to be king of. Yeah. And I think tied to both the both that heirs and um what do you do in terms of duty and and that ties into adversity like the ring there's a quote i pulled i think it's from gandalf uh at one point he says i will not say do not weep for not all tears are in evil i think he's talking to one of the hobbits yeah and i i tracked that even last week and just didn't get to talk about it on the show each book has at like the word weep appears in return of the king like 12 times Weeper weeping and turns appears in towers like at least nine and there's maybe six or seven if not more in fellow and there's just this for a book that is ridden with dudes doing dude stuff as we were kind of critiquing earlier there is there is an immense sensitivity to their experience it's not just like like we're tough guys fighting orcs because we're no, it's guys. it's never and it's never that kind of book. And like, and I want to I I, I think that's why it resonates for people outside of its own genre because I feel like that could be a pitfall of the uh, fantasy swords and sorcery genre, right? Yeah, right. Um, that they that there is a sensitivity to the emotions of this world that I think is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of woven into how the magic works. Like it's really 
when when Aragorn goes around healing people, the one of the things that Eowyn doesn't really wake up fully until Eomir shows up and like asks her to. Um, that the the magic of healing is tied to like strong relationships and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think and to the, magic healing weeds, but yeah, well, there's that whole business, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I think what do you think Kingsfoil of... actually is? I think I think I know what Kingsfoil is. <laughs> you get that medicinal Kingsfoil. <laughs> well, you can get Kingsfoil in Colorado all you want. <laughs> The other, so that's what I think is like really powerful about these books. Um, on the other hand, there's the element of these books, which is encountering them now uh, with the decades of fantasy offspring that it has begotten. Mm-hmm. Um, it reads as like at times, and the appendices are the gr- are most grievous of this. I will say so. This might kind of build that bridge to that conversation. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know. If we like, we're pretty close to time. I feel like maybe we we wrap up your thoughts on the book, and then if we want to do something on the appendices or on more like expanded Tolkien stuff, maybe it's some kind of a bonus episode or something. But. So what I'll say is that its pitfalls are in the appendices in in great abound. In that mm-hmm. it's a it's half D and D manual, half Bible. Like yeah man i i'm reading the D D players handbook and stuff trying to get like a group going and it is all just ripped right out of tolkien <laughs> like all the world building all the races all the like characteristics of all the races is just straight up lord of the rings which is not like surprising no but it's just a thing <laughs> well and tolkien was as we've talked before kind of doing his own remix on european folklore and like anglo-saxon folklore and that's super cool but it's also begotten reading it now you know three quarters of a century later it's begotten so many other things that it's hard to read without that in mind well and i, th- I think that the thing about D and a lot of the other tolkien inspired stuff is i don't think it goes back beyond tolkien to like find where his roots were i think it true, treats true. It treats like lord of the rings as its roots and it just builds out from there. Yeah, which is a fine place because as I was leafing through that list of kings whose names I all forget because, whoa. Yeah. It's uh, like, that's, that's I talked about, I think maybe in The Hobbit, about how reading the, the Silmarillion is kind of like reading the Bible. And yeah, just people begetting all over the place. <laughs> it's it's actually, it's a interesting mix of, of biblical story and... Almost like Roman history book. Yeah, Roman history, where it's like, we know this about this guy, and he did this stuff, and then he had a kid, and his kid did this stuff, and that's about that. It's like not putting it in a macro picture. It's just going person by person, story by story, and building this larger macro picture. Um, but I, my immediate reaction was that I just don't have room in my brain for this right now. Like, I... Yeah. Star Wars is where my brain soaked up this information, and that's just what hit me in like the part of my life where I had room for stuff like this. I yeah, think I think maybe Tolkien is for me, like Star Wars is for you. Like, I don't, I don't need to know like who. Like, I don't need to know like the company that won the manufacturing contract for the X Wing or whatever <laughs> stupid crap it is that you know. Well, I can I can tell you about Wookiee life debts if you want to learn about Wookiee life debts. I'm good. I would owe you a life debt if you did not tell me about it. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm going to collect. Um, <laughs> okay. 
but and I I do say that there are probably some some subtle things in action even in Star Wars that owe Lord of the Rings like the whole third act of Star Wars owes some things to Lord of the Rings um, yeah so I I think you can't I'm glad I read them you can't discredit them and their impact on all of the fiction that's come since uh and I can see how if you encounter them early enough and are almost gifted them by other people for whom they've meant a lot, because that's certainly one of the biggest responses we've heard from listeners. Oh, that's that, how I came to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, do you like where did that come from for you? I don't think we talked about that on. It's my parents. Just your parents. my mom. My mom specifically. Yeah, yeah. Because so, she she gave me Narnia to start with. Okay. And then The Hobbit, and then Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because she, she that was that was during my like childhood and into high school when I just could not stop reading stuff. And totally. then I got into college, and I got off of reading for pleasure, and now I'm <laughs> now I'm back on it. Yeah. And now you're on yeah. for reading for podcasts, which is a whole yeah. different thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was it was like Narnia, and then into Tolkien, and then into Redwall and the Lloyd Alexander books. There there were a few touchstones that I missed. Um, Wheel of Time I came to in high school, mm, mm-hmm. but like Song of Ice and Fire, I never really got into. And even after the show, like Susanna's read all of them. Yeah, um, I, I haven't read any. On, of them. She's working on her second read through, but I read the first one, and it was uh-huh. like this is just the show written down. <laughs> and then I read like the first half of the second one, and then I got distracted and never came back to it. And I'm like fine with that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I read the progenitor of all this stuff. I I certainly am glad I know the parts of it that I like and don't like. I feel like I know the characters a little bit more than I did through pop culture osmosis and the movies, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Aragorn's got this whole, like, tired old man thing, but, like, I guess he's sexy. I don't really know what's going on with him. That is pretty interesting. Like he's a, he's a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people, and you never really fully get inside his head. I uh, imagine. I guess I'm trying. I was trying to think of a celebrity that that aside from like Viggo Mortensen, who I I guess is pretty solid as yeah. a portrayal of him, but like a Robert Downey Jr. type. Oh yeah, like a little little old around Ooh. the edges, but still uh-huh. like conventionally handsome. I don't know if Clooney could pull it off, but maybe Clooney like ten years ago. Yeah, the problem is then you're watching a George Clooney movie. You're you're watching Lord of the Cloonies. You're not watching Lord of the Rings. That's I would watch Lord of the Cloonies. Though. I okay. one Clooney to rule <laughs> them all, <laughs> and in the darkness find them. So if you have ideas for Lord of the Cloonies, you can shoot them to us at overduepod at gmail via email i want to give a shout out to nick uh, who wrote in with a great email about our wit episode that uh, he wanted to clarify kind of one of the, one of the points we made about the penultimate scene where the character in wit was being read a children's book uh, i think it has some some resonance for this, ep- for this episode so uh, for me that scene wasn't about rejecting the poet's style of writing as being too stuffy and overwrought to be of real human value Uh, Instead, it was the main character being reminded that the fundamental point of all literature is to help people just live and feel less alone while doing it, that it is emotional and personal and not just academic. 
uh, I think that kind of speaks to both the high points and the low points of Tolkien. Like, it's it's kind of a it can be a chore when it feels too academic, but there is certainly an emotional and personal core sure. to this story, uh, and certainly to people's reaction to these stories. Uh, other people who've reached out to us using Facebook and Twitter, both at Overdue Pod, are Karen, Rosalind, Nicole, Emily, Keep the Muse, Rachel, Serious Rachel, Edward, Katie, Haraya, Sounds T. serious. I know. Uh, <laughs> J. Deep, Lee, Alex, Christopher, Sean, Carolyn, Susanna, Nina, Amber, Laura, Vinny, and Victoria. Uh, thank you all for doing that. It's a great way to just spread the love for the show, and, and it also gives Andrew and I a nice pick-me-up during the week as we're carrying each week's ring to the top of Mordor. Andrew, uh, <laughs> where else should people go if they want to hear more about the show? Uh, people should go to OverduePodcast.com. That's our internet website where we have links to iTunes and Stitcher and RSS, all the places you can subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe in iTunes, leave us a rating or a review. We've gotten a couple new ratings this week. We're very happy about that. Um, we also have links on that site to our Patreon project, which is a way that you can get us to read a book. Uh, you get us to move a book to the top of our list. We've been falling down a little bit on that for like theme reasons. So this month was kind of Lord of the Rings month. And then October is going to be a spooktacular spook fest of spooky, <laughs> spooky books. It's going to be very yes. spooky and scary. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, for bonus episodes, we are still working through that list. And then November, we're going to pick it back up again, I think. Yeah. So uh, patreon.com slash pod. Find out more. Um, what? else uh, you can you... head over to headgum.com right, yeah, and check guys. out the awesome headgum network of which we are a part which we thank them so much they started a fantasy football league show that i probably need to start listening to because i'm doing okay but i've got some 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 room for improvement if you follow me on twitter and i just start tweeting people's names in all caps it's because of fantasy football. So nobody can ever tell why you're doing that. You do do it a lot, though. I do. It's probably my my claim to fame. Now, who who is the cleric on your fantasy football team? Oh, it's probably uh, Goskowski, who's the okay. kicker. Goskowski, Groskowski. He's the kicker for the Patriots, and he always kind of just pulls my team through by scoring a lot of points for no good reason. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was ready for that. I was ready for that. Good. You were uh, ready for me to make a like a high fantasy football joke. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what are you reading next and what are, show are we doing next week? Um, actually, the show we're doing next week, what I'm reading next week, probably need to talk about just like nail down the Spooktober schedule. But for next week, um, my co-host from Appointment Television, which ah. is a show that I do about TV, ah. it goes up every other Thursday, uh, Catherine Van Arendonk is going to be reading Banicula to kick off the, the spooky October festivities. And then the week after that, we are going to be reading another Choose Your Own Adventure book called Ghost Train. Yeah, I can't wait. And to. I think from the cover, the, the ghost is a train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or oh, the train yeah. is a ghost. I don't know. I don't know which. Um, and then the last thing as we as we kind of slide into into home here is I wanted to mention our appearance at Book Riot Live, which is happening. Uh, we don't know the exact date of the of the panel yet, but Book Riot Live is happening November 7th and 8th in New York City. Uh, we're going to be moderating a panel called Lo-Fi and DIY about alternative storytelling methods. So if you want to go to bookriotlive.com and register and use the coupon code overdue i think you can save 20 bucks yeah so do that it's pretty cool and as soon as we know exactly when our panel will be we'll try and send out some details about like a meetup or something like that 
because uh, it sounds like New York might be even more accessible for some of you who listen, and we'd love to meet up with you guys. Yeah, so yeah, keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook for that. And then also this week, our bonus episode on Andy Weir's The Martian will go up on the main podcast feed. So look for that, I think, on like Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember which day, but it will happen midweek here sometime. Cool. Anything else? Is that it? I made it, Andrew. I our made po- it. You did. Yay. Woo. Uh, the Eagles came and swooped down and picked you up, and now you're out. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go back to the Shire. I'm going to smoke some pipe weed. And I'm going to relax. I'm going to write this all in a book. Sounds good. That's that. There and book again. The Craig getting story. All right, everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.